Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Jump into uh, the Bible today. We're going to actually kind of continue this thought on our giftings. And, you know, this is kind of the first time I think I've done a series on this, oddly enough. We've done like little moments of training and teaching, but I really felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to come today and do some teaching uh, we, uh, about gifts because as I've been teaching on, I've had a lot of feedback from different folks saying, Ryan, I didn't even know there were spiritual gifts. Some people have said to me, my, my daughter, bless her heart, you know, and she's 12 and new to the word, so I give her some credit, but she says, Dad, when are you going to tell me what the gifts actually are? <laughs> I said, don't worry, sweetie, just you got to hang on. We're going on a progress here. We're on a journey. Uh, we went on a journey the first week, uh, two, weeks ago, two, weeks ago, two weeks ago, we talked about this progress. So first week we started about how you got to get your life in the right spiritual order. In order for you to understand what your spiritual gifting is and what God's called you to do and what that gift for your life is, you've got to first start by getting your life in the right spiritual order. Many of us, as followers of Jesus, are led by our soul. We're led by our carnal side of our life, our emotions, my thinking, and my will, my way. And, and don't, it's not maybe not just you. I, I often can tend to do the same thing. But we need to get the spirit a part of us. Remember, our heart is made up of two parts. The word of God divides between the spirit and the soul. Our spirit was created when we met Christ. Our spirit came alive. And now our spirit, man, is now led by the spirit of God. And so when we are obedient, to God's word, when we are obedient to his voice. You say, well, Ryan, how do I get my life in the right spiritual order? You've got to read and obey God's word. Ryan, what else can I do? Well, that's all it will ever be. (laughs) Read and obey God's word. Read and obey. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you and convicts you, just respond. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not like, okay, well, you need to go to church every week and you need to give your tithe. Those things are all results and fruits of being an obedient person to the word of God. We don't just do those things and then think, okay, I'm going to get my life. No, no, the word of God is the, the, pre, it's, it's the starting point. It's the end point. It's the middle point. We've got to be obedient to the word of God. And when we're obedient to the word of God, what happens is, is that we begin to be obedient. We begin to align. We begin to, when he convicts us, we respond. We, we begin to see our lives transformed. And what I told you last week was that when you begin to get your life in the right spiritual order, you begin to discover yourself. You begin to learn more about you. That when you learn, you grow in your walk with God and you grow in, in your knowledge of him and your maturity in him and you begin to see more about who Jesus is in your life. When you know him better and you obey his word, you will know you better. And you begin to discover what it, what it means to make a difference with your life. And so you begin to know Jesus better, and you begin to know you better. And we talked about three different areas of divine, divine uh, really, gifting in your life, divine, rather, uh, things that God's given you. And we discover these things, our wiring, what we're good at, what things that God's wired us to do. You just, you just go and put your hands to it, and you're just good at it. You're just wired that way. You're just, you're just gifted in that way. And that, I want to take that word out. It's for another another uh, definition, but you know, when you're wired, it's just kind of who you are and it's what you're made up to do. And it just comes naturally to you. God wired you that way. And your passion, this passions are often either things you love to do, which often we see it that way. And my passion is what I love to do, but often our passion is where we want to make a difference because of a, uh, 
an impact in our life where something bad had happened to us or a traumatic experience or you had a moment in your life that, that you were impacted. And, and I remember when I was in Guatemala and we were serving in an orphanage and in Malaysia serving in an orphanage and when we were in uh, Fiji and Scotland and, and all across the world lo- looking at orphanages, that's when the Lord began to give me a passion to help orphans and not just across the world. We want to help orphans in Calgary and that's why we're launching Foster the City because we want to help the 10,000 children who are uh, uh, need a fostering in the city to find homes in, in Jesus' name. And so that's a passion. It's, a, it's something that, that I see that it grieves me, that I want to I fix that. That's a passion. And then we have our spiritual gifting. And I, I, I said this comment, I got a lot of feedback from this one, that the spiritual gifting is reserved for the local church and his people. Spiritual gifting is, is, is given to those who are uh, uh, not only followers of Jesus Christ, but also have made a commitment to be planted in the house of God. Spiritual gifting is not for outside the church. Spiritual gifting, a lot of people try to build a ministry or a career on their spiritual gifting. You know, that's a wiring and that's a passion. And can you use your spiritual gifting outside the church? Of course, you walk into the street, Holy Spirit speaks to you a word of knowledge and you give it to him. Of course, of course, of course. Can you prophesy outside the church? Yes. Can you, you have uh, wisdom outside the church? Of course, of course. God is so good that he even uses it outside the church. But when he gave those things, the purpose of them was to be used in the context of the local church. And so, We learned last week that in order for us to really understand this uh, reality of gifting, we have to understand that those things are reserved for the context of God's church, his bride, and the purpose of those things is to serve one another, to get our eyes off of ourselves and recognize that a spiritual gifting has nothing to do with my capacity or my ability or my passion, but it has simply to do with God's grace to meet a need in the life of someone else. And so, look at this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, I say that every week, I think. Uh, Ephesians 4, 16, he makes the whole body. Who makes it? He, God, makes the whole body fit together. I love this word, perfectly. He's working it out. He's making it happen. Well, I don't really like that area, or I don't really, I don't, I'm not really wired to do that. Well, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's gonna give you supernatural gifting to meet that need, and he's gonna fit you perfectly. As each part, who's the part? You're the part, does its own. Look at this special work, so it's special to you. It helps the other parts grow, so now there's growth in other people, so that the whole body is healthy. Come on, somebody. Who wants to be a part of a healthy church? How many of you have been a part of an unhealthy church in the past? You've been burned out, misused, mis- uh, misabused, and I'm sure even in our context, man, that's happened to me. Well, listen, we're on a journey to figure this out together. As followers of Jesus, we got to lean in together and say, all right, how can we build a healthy church together? Will we make mistakes? Will we fall short? Will we, will we you know, do all those things? Of course we will, but we want a healthy church. We want a growing church. We want a church that is full of love. That word love there actually in, an, in another, another uh, translation says unselfish love to be a church that's unselfishly loving to love God and to love people the objective of a gifting is not to get yourself on a stage or the objective of a gifting isn't to make yourself feel an adrenaline rush the purpose of a gifting isn't so that you can walk in a room and say well let me take care of that I'm gifted The purpose of your gifting is to humble yourself, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to humble yourself, to love and to serve people. That's the only purpose of our spiritual gifting. When the Holy Spirit gives you this spiritual gifting, I love this part. I was on a walk with someone this week, and the Lord just prompted me. He asked me a question. He was trying to figure it out himself. Okay, how does this work? Passions, am I allowed to use a passion? Like, how does this work? Is there like a line, black and white? I said, no, no. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. (laughs) But what happens is, is that... um, 
Paul here, in, in the, the, he was writing to the church of Philippi, and he was telling them, listen, if you, if you guys have been experienced a personal relationship with God and been impacted by the love of God, the power of God, you've been encouraged by him, he says, do me this favor by putting your interests aside to serve other people. In fact, why don't you have the same mindset, the same attitude that of Christ Jesus, he laid his life down, he put on the, the, the flesh of a human, and, and he, he laid down everything that he was, had rights to to serve us and he died a, a, a sinner's death. It was crucified, a murderer's death, and criminal's death. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And then he continues. And Paul continues. And look what he says. He says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Look at this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. I became a follower of Jesus, Ryan. How do I show the results? Well, obey God with deep reverence and fear recognizing that when I produce results in my life, I'm not working, I'm not just trying to work my way into heaven. No, I experience salvation, and the evidence that I've experienced salvation is I'm obedient to God's word. But then he continues, and this scripture should help you understand that when God gives you a spiritual gift, in that spiritual gift is every single amount of passion and wiring that you need to do that thing. Look what it says, Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, praise God. Come on, work hard to be, be obedient to God's word through fear and troubling. Why? For, for, that means because, okay, why should you do that? Because God's working in you. And guess what happens when God works in you? He gives you the desire, the passion, and the power, the capacity, the ability, the increase, the, the, the container to do what pleases him. So when God gives you a spiritual gifting in the church, you say, Ryan, I don't like it, and I'm not wired to do it. It's not about that. It's about the need that God has in the church. It's about how can we meet the needs of people in the house of God. You say, Ryan, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't have a passion for it. Well, if the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual gifting in that seat, in that gift, not only comes the gift that we're going to talk about in a minute, but also comes this growing pleasure, this growing passion, this growing desire, and a growing capacity and power to do what pleases him. So when you have an ability to do something or a passion to do something and you begin to work in that area and you don't really need the Lord's grace to do that, what are you pleasing? Yourself. But when you are you called to an area where you see a specific need that God calls you to or a leader calls you forward to and you say, oh my gosh, I just, oh, it makes my stomach turn. I don't really feel called to that and I'm not really wired to do it. I'm not very good at it. This is an opportunity for God to do a miracle in your life to minister his grace on you. And while you're doing that thing, he's working, okay, I'm gonna step forward by faith and he's working in you. Oh, I start to like this actually. I never thought I would like doing this. I never thought that I would like serving in this way. I never thought that I would enjoy that. I never thought that I would make these friends passion. And they're like, oh my gosh, why is this so, why do I feel like I'm so good at this? I've never been good at this. I've never had the grace to do it. I've never had the capacity to take this on. I was doing this, 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 and I was burned out. But now I do this and I just feel there's a grace to do it. Why is that? Because every spiritual gift has a passion and a desire and a wiring and, and the capacity to do what pleases God. And so when you're serving in the house of God, there should be passion, desire, and wiring. So, oh, there it is. Now we bring those back. We realize that the wiring and the passion that God gives you for the specific task is all from God. He gives you everything that you need to do that. So let's jump a little bit into 
these gifts today. Now, I was going to read all the scriptures, but I decided for time's sake, I can't. So I will give you, I will read one text of scripture, but I'm just going to give you the reference, write it down. If you're taking notes, if you're at home, go to BibleGateway.com and you can read with me right now if you want, but I'm not going to read the whole screen of it, but I do want to read the intro text, uh, the verse, and then the ending verse for the next section. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about the gifts, and then there's another spot in Romans chapter 12, I believe it is, or Romans 8, Romans 12. I'll look in a minute. You'll see. I can't remember, but it's in there, <laughs> and uh, it lists several different giftings, and I thought um, it would be appropriate for me just to give you an understanding. Now, if you say, Ryan, I know this stuff, just hang on. There's someone in the room who may not. And, and, and uh, if you say you know this, well, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And right now, I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to give some of you a gift. As I'm reading these, the Holy Spirit's going to come right now, and he's going to give you one of these spiritual gifts. Now, it's important you realize something about these verses. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Say, each of us. Each of us. It doesn't say a spiritual gift is given to those who've, uh, proven themselves after many years of reading their Bible and praying. It doesn't say those who got saved for more than three years. It doesn't say those who have fasted the most or given the most or done the most. Each of us, despite your level of spirituality, if you got, became a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, guess what? One of these gifts is for you. God wants to use you in a supernatural way. This is the danger with spiritual gifting. And exactly what Paul was confronting in the church of Corinth was that there were those who had received a spiritual gifting and began to create an environment where it was all about their gifting. And so they were isolating individuals who were getting saved. These Gentiles that were getting saved were coming into the house of God and he wanted them to know, no, no, no. It's not just for you over spiritual person who think that you're better than everybody else. This is for everybody. Even a person who was yesterday living a life of sin and today repented of their sin and turned to Jesus Christ, you will be used with the same level of capacity as the person who's been serving Jesus for 30 years. It's because God is not, uh, does not show favor to people. He has no favoritism. You're in the house of the Lord. You're in the house of the Lord. You've been faithful for 30 years. Guess what? You're going to get paid the same wage as the person who shows up today. And that's how beautiful the kingdom of God is. And so we see that each of us, so that why? We can help others. Another translation, the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you, are you getting the theme? Each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? To serve one another. So each of you has one, and the purpose of it is to serve the person next to you, is to meet the needs of the individuals who are next to you. And so let's go through these together. Um, I believe I have them on the screen. I may not. I may have forgotten my apologies, but you can just kind of stick with me, huh? Okay. I did not, but that's okay. Amen. Okay, so the first one is this. Let's read uh, the first verse of this scripture here. Look at this. It says this. All of you together. Sorry, right here. It's, uh, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm skipping around my scriptures. And I said not to do them, and now I'm wasting just as much time trying to fix it as I'm. Here we go, 1211. It's the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. At the very end of this verse, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So the first one is this. It's the gift of wisdom. This is wise counsel. Supernatural revelation and wise counsel, often this is used to give biblical insight to help someone make a choice or a decision in their life 
to give them wisdom biblically to help them navigate their life. It's it's practical and biblical knowledge or wisdom rather to help someone make wise choices and live a life after God. The uh, word of knowledge, clear understanding of God's word. Often, this is when God will give a, a special revelation, in, not, not a, outside of God's word, mind you, a special revelation of something in God's word that is illuminated to them to be able to help someone else. Often, this is seen in the context of being able to understand specific realities about people's lives, and you can then apply God's word to that specific reality of their life, a word of knowledge. or um, The gift of faith, this is very simple. I pray this today in our prayer time in the back there. Uh, during worship, the, the, the gift of faith. This is the simple ability to have supernatural increased faith in God. It's bestowed, every, every believer has faith, but this is a, a, a strong, unshakable confidence in God and his word. Some of us have a unique capacity for more faith than the person next to you. And you say, man, I, I've got faith for this. And often we look at those people who don't, and we say, what's wrong with you? You're not a Christian. You need to get your life in order. No, no, no. You just may have a supernatural gift of grace, and you need to use that to encourage your brother and sister, not look down upon them. Come on, the next one, the gift of healing. Very plain and simple. The, the ability and the capacity to heal the sick. Now remember, you are not the healer. Healer John does not have a ministry. Jesus is the healer. And he gives gifts, and he takes gifts away. And many people are building a ministry on the fact that I'm healer John, or healer this, or healer that. I want to tell you, there's only one healer. And when you look at the offices in the scripture, the offices of ministry, which we'll talk about, the offices does not say, and the healer. It's just apostle, prophet, teacher. It doesn't say, and the healer. Healing is God alone, and should not be a ministry we build on. It is for the church. It is intended to build the church, and it's intended, intended intentionally to turn people's hearts to Christ, not just to show off our supernatural capacity. Come on, the gift of prophecy, to proclaim God's word. This is, can also be used as preaching, but in this context, it's actually divine-inspired speech with, that involves giving future prediction or speaking forth God's word. Sometimes I get up and preach, and I step away from my notes. Whoa, I almost fell. And I fall off the thing, and that's called the supernatural gift of clumsiness. I start prophesying over a transition. That's the gift of prophecy. And in that moment, either God's giving me that gift of prophecy or I'm functioning in that capacity in that moment. God's giving me that supernatural grace, the gift of distinguishing between spirits, that you can sense the difference between a true, uh, and, and true doctrine and a false doctrine. You, you hear a, a Pastor preaching, and you're like, hmm, that sounds off. That's weird. Why is he talking about money every week? That's odd. Every single week, money comes up. Well, you realize they've been embezzling money for 40 years, and now they're just trying to get more of your money. So who knows? That's just a small example. Does not not come from any, just a small example. But you can sense a difference between false and right doctrine. You're like, hmm, what's this not right? You listen on YouTube, like, oh, that sounds off. Or Well, you just have the ability, and the, the purpose of this gift is to protect the church from heresy. And when you sense something's not right, you're like, hmm, Pastor Ryan, this person was teaching this in a group and he said this comment and it kind of infiltrated through the group and it doesn't feel right to me. Hmm, I need to talk to the group leader. And we adjust that. You say, well, that's just manipulation and control. No, that's the gift of distinguishing spirits to identify the devil is trying to attack this group or to attack this ministry or attack this person. And we, the flock of the church of God, need to join together and to make sure that nothing is trying to scatter the sheep of, uh, of Jesus Christ. Come on, here's the big one. This is the big debate. The gift of tongues. 
Now, I've been given the gift of tongues. I speak in tongues. I believe you should speak in tongues. I believe that it is uh, biblical. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 17, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when Paul starts talking about greater things, which we'll talk about in a moment as well. We're going to talk about a lot. They, we, we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll see that he starts by saying, if you can speak in with tongues of angels, he's the ecstasy of angels. He's referring to speaking in tongues. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than anybody else, and I desire that you would do the same. Speaking in tongues is absolutely something that I believe that every single person should, should do. But I actually, after my study, don't actually believe that he's actually talking about that here. Because if you look at the word uh, unknown, that word unknown actually speaks, is the actually Greek word, the language of tribes and diverse languages. It's actually speaking to natural languages. It's, it's the ability to be in another place. I don't speak French, but if I'm in France and I begin to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit gives me the gift of tongues where I can speak French to, to prophesy and to speak the word of God. The same way with the gift of interpretation. I do believe there's a gift of interpretation for uh, unknown tongues, but also this predominantly, speak, many people think that when a translator gets up and begins to speak the word of God, maybe they don't know what the speaker's saying. They don't speak their language, but they get up to proclaim the word and they get up and all of a sudden the Lord gives the ability to speak the word. There's many examples that I could go off of of people that I've heard of who've gone to foreign lands that did not speak the, 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 the language. They begin to speak in tongues. And as they spoke in tongues, they were speaking French or Spanish or whatever. And they began to speak the word of God, just like in Acts chapter 2. So do I believe that every person should, uh, should want and, and pursue the, the powerful gift of speaking in the tongues of angels? I believe that it's biblical and scriptural and right and good. It's a prayer language. It stirs up your most holy faith. And when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for me with groans. It cannot be uttered. I begin to speak in my spiritual language. Now, I don't speak in tongues on a Sunday in front of you because the Bible says it's better that you prophesy. So I don't get up here and say, oh, you know, do my thing. And then everyone in the back's like, whoa, this guy's nuts. Well, no, I better just to preach the word. But when we're in a prayer meeting, you hear me, I'll speak in tongues. When we're together in a group, I'll speak in tongues. Why? Because it edifies my spirit. So I encourage you to aspire to that want both in your life. Come on. How about the next one? A gift. Um, I already mentioned that one, the gift of, gift of miracles. Literally, this means the gift of power, the gift to do supernatural Beyond natural capacity, power, like just the, the, the ability to uh, perform supernatural, powerful works for God. The gift of helping others. This is the ability to identify needs in others and meet them. Now, I want to say this clearly. I have a lot of people have come to me and identified different areas of need in, in either in the church or out in the world and said, why aren't you meeting this need? You have to remember, some people have a supernatural gift of helping others that I don't have or that maybe one of our department leaders doesn't have. So it's not that they're not, not compassionate or not empathetic or don't care. It's just you might have the gift of, of helping other people and you're able to identify needs and other people and you say, well, why aren't we meeting that need? Well, no, the question is, why aren't you meeting that need? You've got the gift. Listen, the answer is not to start another ministry to meet the need. The answer is for you to step out in your spiritual gifting and start doing what the Lord's called you to do by giving you the capacity. And guess what will happen? It will cause the other parts to grow and the church will become healthy, growing, and full of love. Not because you waited for us to start a ministry and not get it going, but you stepped out by the gift of the Spirit of God to serve the body of Christ. 
Come on, the next one is the gift of leadership. This is the ability to govern. I would say that I have a gift of leadership, mainly because I'm called to lead the church. And so I'm, sometimes that gift goes away, and you have experienced that. Our staff know that very well. Put it in the complaint box, James. Just kidding. <laughs> this word means governing. It's government. It's the word that means, literally, it's the, the definition is a, a pilot piloting a plane or a ship steering a boat. He's the captain. He's the one leading. I believe many of you in this room are called to plant churches. And this is what I believe the gift of leadership's got to be on your life. We're going to be a church planting church. We're going to plant lots and lots of churches. But we need the spirit of God to come upon some of you to say, wow, I have the gift of leadership in my life. And that means you're able to govern things well and manage things well. And so I, I believe Vince and Justine have the gift of leadership on their life. And they've really helped in our discover. And they've added different things just like that, just gifted, like gifted, gift of leadership in their life. The Lord may have given you that. And, and, and I want you to know, some people say in a lot of churches, we do a lot of focus on leadership, leadership this, leadership that. Listen, we have to remember, there's a natural wiring for leadership. And too many times in larger churches, we make a big deal about leaders, 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 leaders. Some of you don't have that gift. I've learned that. Some of you are behind the scenes. Some of you are a little quieter. Some of you are a little doing your thing. And you say, man, I got to be this to fit in. No, no, no. You just be you. We're figuring that out. Not everyone has the gift of leadership. Some of you are called just to be on a team and be the best servant of all and to help and to be a Barnabas and to be a second and to love and to encourage. And you thrive in that way. There's a gift of leadership on your life. The ability to govern, to exhibit fruits of the Spirit by living a life of examples. Now, let's look at Romans chapter Romans chapter 12 says this, in his grace, whose grace? God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That means you suck at other things. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm joking, but I actually mean that. <laughs> that means that some things you think you're good at in the church, or I think I'm good at in the church, and the truth is I don't have the grace for it. But I've got a passion for it. I feel like I'm wired to do it, but maybe in that context, God has not called you to do it. So be careful that you're not applying your wiring and your, your natural wiring and passion to something that God requires a supernatural grace for. This is where people get burned out. This is where people get hurt. They apply their natural wiring and passion to something, and they recognize they get into the context of the local church, and it doesn't quite work as well. And so they get frustrated that the pastor's not listening or the leaders aren't doing it right or, man, I need to go to another place where they're going to listen to me. And the reality is, no, no, we have to humble ourselves and realize that this is to do certain things well. That, isn't that awesome? Yeah. I love that. That means I don't have to do everything perfectly. Yeah. That means I can trust my wife to be, who has the gift of administration, hallelujah, <laughs> to help my life. And I have others in the room who can preach and prophesy and speak. Come on, we want all of those things functioning in our church, predominantly in our groups. We want our groups to see these things happening. And, and it's important you recognize that if you're not doing your part, you're missing that you are a certain thing that needs to be done. And if you're not leaning in, that certain thing ain't going to be done. Even if someone else is wired and passionate to do it, you're called to do it by God's grace. Look what it says. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, well, then speak out. Gosh darn it. With as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, we'll serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God gives you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I encourage you today. 
Don't wait until you receive a position of ministry or an official title or, or even recognition to serve in your gifting. Paul's saying, don't wait, serve each other. Don't wait, encourage each other. Don't wait, lead one another. Don't wait, show kindness to each other. Don't wait until you get an official sign up for a team. Just start functioning in the gift of God and the gift will make room for itself. Here we see gift of serving. Now this word gift of serving is actually the word we get for deacon. I believe that this gift of serving is really staff and uh, volunteer staff. This is predominantly those. Deaconship in in the Bible is actually a a, a place of uh, ministry in the church that's an appointed place of ministry. So a deacon isn't just anyone on a team. A deacon is someone who leads the team. And so this is a specific gifting on individuals. And I look for these because we're constantly creating environments for individuals because we need people to, to manage teams well. And this word literally, look at gift of serving. Isn't that funny? As a staff member at the church, as James and Jesse and my wife are the four staff members who receive a financial, uh, are paid to do that. We also have other volunteer staff, Andrew and Britt are over our groups, and Vince and Justine are over Discover, and Joel's over all of our tech and media and so forth. Each of those individuals, their primary responsibility is one thing, the gift of serving, not lording, serving. That's it. Serving. The greatest in the kingdom, the servant of all. I love the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5 says, put on the servant's apron. Serve one another. That's our heart, to serve you. So that gift of serving, the gift of a teacher, clearly teaching God's word, bringing illumination to scripture and skills in the scripture to help others understand. The gift of exhortation. This is the word encouragement. Calling people forward in God by using the word. Many of you here today, this is kind of preaching and exhortation. Someone who can preach and speak the word and maybe it's in the context of a group. The gift of giving. This is an increased joy, hallelujah, to meet the financial, material, and spiritual needs of others. Not just the gift of money, but it's also the gift of giving yourself spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, a great capacity to give to other people when they are in need. And lastly, the gift of mercy or kindness is caring for others who are in need. This is people who are in deep distress. They have the ability to show sympathy. Now, lastly here today, we look at Ephesians 4.11. And I believe two things, and I know I'm doing a lot of teaching today, so I hope you're all right, but uh, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So I believe these are two things. These are spirits Uh, the spirit of the apostle, the spirit of prophets, the spirit of evangelists, the spirit of pastors. I believe that anyone in the church can function in the spirit of apostle. Anybody in the church can function in the spirit of a prophet, the spirit of an evangelist, the spirit of a pastor, the spirit of teacher. But I believe also there are offices. Now, I don't believe there's one apostle and his name's, you know, John Henry down in California and he's the only apostle in the world. No, I believe every church have offices of ministry that function in this capacity. And what I believe is that each of these areas, this is like an on, the sent one, an entrepreneurial church planting and, and starting new ministries. Prophets is the same thing, to speak the, the predictions for God. And evangelists, they have the capacity to preach the word of God or the gospel in a way where people find Christ. The pastor is a shepherd, I love this. This is the only time the Bible ever uses this word pastor. Every other experience with the word pastor is the word shepherd. To gather people, to protect the flock, to help the flock. I believe this is a gift God's given me. I'm trying my best to function in that gift, 
to pastor, to care for, to love, to encourage, to correct when it needs to correct and rebuke when it needs to rebuke, but to get us going forward as the body of Christ. And teachers, I want you to know something. Each of these can function in the house of God. And I believe that each of these are a part of what God wants to make up in the church. And their only responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. These five areas of ministry are really, really important. Because I believe that these are not, when someone says, call me Apostle John, I don't believe that's correct. Call me Prophet John, call me Evangelist John. No, no, no. I believe all of these things are people who've lived their life doing these things and look back on their life and say, oh my gosh, I was an apostle. Oh my gosh, I spent years prophesying the word of the Lord and look time after time, the Lord's confirmed what I've said through his word and through it happening in people's lives. Oh my gosh, I look back on my life and realize I was a prophet. It means you function in that capacity for a long enough time, recognizing your gifting of prophecy and your gifting of evangelism, preaching the word, but you look back on your life and you reflect, wow, I was an apostle. That's what Paul did. He says, I'm an apostle. He wrote that when he was 60, 70 years old. He looked back on his life and said, wow, I was an apostle. Wow, I was a prophet. I was an evangelist. Beware of people who try to build ministries on the fact that I'm the prophet. <laughs> Jesus is the prophet. <laughs> We might have a gifting of grace from the Lord, but he's the prophet. Now, I'm gonna end my time here today. Thank you for letting me uh, teach you on this today. I'm gonna take one more week and uh, now you say, Ryan, how do I, how do I start? That's gonna be our, our next time together. But I wanna end on this as we end our time together. In the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. He says, look at all these gifts. Look at all these ways God wants to use you. Look at all these things that God wants to do in your life and how he wants to use you by his grace. He says, but I want you to know that the purpose of all of these gifts is one thing and one thing alone, love. It should come from a place of wanting to love and serve the Lord. It should come from a place of wanting to love and serve other people. It should never come from a place of wanting to exalt myself or to, to be used in a way that makes me happy or joyful, which is okay. But at the end of the day, Paul says, if it's not focused on, centered on, founded on, focused on love, then you are missing the point. Look at this quote. There is no greater fulfillment and purpose than loving and serving the Lord by loving and serving his people. Come on, would you stand to your feet today? Thank you for letting me share this with you today. I hope you have a fresh understanding of what these are and recognize that every person here today who professes Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, is planted in the house of the Lord, can be used in a supernatural way today. I want to pray for you. Would you just put your hands out just like you're going to receive a gift? Just as a prophetic you know, symbolism. Holy Spirit, I can't lay my hands on every person today. Well, Lord, I pray just supernaturally right now, we extend our hands. We say, Father, we want your gift in our life, Holy Spirit. If we're not in the right spiritual order today, Lord, we just repent of our sin and we turn back to you and we say, Father, we're gonna be obedient to your word. And so now, Lord, I pray that you'd reveal your spiritual gifting to them. 
Lord, would you reveal to them what the area of their life where you've called them. And, and even in our church, needs that arise. They say, Lord, can I meet that need? I don't know how. I don't have a passion for it. But God, I want to meet that need by your grace. And Lord, your grace will come and give them a gift. We just open ourselves up right now. And we say, Lord, we want to receive your gift right now. Every person across the room, Lord, every person online, Lord, we receive your gift. Lord, it might be new season. Some of you have had a gift of a certain thing and you've identified it. It's a new day for you. There's a new gift. It's a new season. It's a new hour. It's a new day. You've been to churches before, experienced things before, and you've been burned and broken and hurt. Well, today, Lord, I pray for your healing power to come into their life. There will be rejuvenation and forgiveness and transformation, and they will experience once again what it's like to be used by the very grace and mercy of God. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.